0: good good morning and welcome to bless you some of you have been to med school where you learned how to be a physician some of you have been to law school where you learned how to be an attorney some of you have been to an institute of technology and you learned how to become a person who could design computer equipment or program but for the next few weeks for five weeks you're in bless you and this is all about a university that teaches us how to have God's blessing in our lives. I've got to tell you, this is the series of the year. You know what I'm like. <laughs> but I've been saying ever since March that this is the series of the year. Because something happened in my life, and, and you need to understand, many times people ask me, Mark, where do all these series come from? Most of the time, they come from something that God is working through me personally. Well, let me just tell you where, where I, how I got started on this and, and why we are where we are today. I, I'm a big believer that What you and I have in our lives goes back to the hand of God, if it's good. The Bible says every good and perfect thing comes from the Father of lights. So I want to know, how can I have God's blessing in my life? Now, let me tell you what I did. You know, let me back up just a moment. I grew up in church like many of you did. And I've heard many, many ministers preach many sermons. And it seems like in this area of blessing, there's a little bit of a fog or a haze. Uh, for instance, how many of us have turned on the television late at night, and there are some televangelists there saying that if you would send him a $1,000, all your problems are over. God just loves this televangelist so much that if you send him a $1,000, Mercedes-Benz, no problem. Sick, no problem. I mean, and I think we listen to that, and all of us who are rational, we, we listen to that and we say, no, that, that, that's, not, that's not how it is. Others of us come from a a different kind of tradition that's very conservative. And I don't mean conservative in a good way. I mean conservative in a legalistic kind of way. And the concept in, in this kind of preaching that I've heard is, look, you're really fortunate that God saved you in the first place. So just shut up and sit in the corner and accept whatever you get. My issue with that is I read the Bible. And what I discover in the Bible is that there are people whom God enhanced supernaturally he he gave them things they would not have had if they had not had blessing they were able to do things they would not have been able to do if they did not have God's blessing in their lives they were able to go places and have influence that they would not have been able to have experienced if they had not been blessed people I read that in the Bible and I crave that I want that so here's what I did this is what I want to get to a moment ago I decided I was going to move everything off the table I'd ever heard. I was going to forget about everything I'd ever preached. I was going to just strip clear everything I had ever learned about blessing and do absolutely nothing but read, 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 read Scripture. Read everything I get my hands on in the Bible. And I, I got to tell you, it, it, was, it was so transformative. It was within hours. I knew I was sitting in dynamite. It has been so hard for me to wait on this series because, I mean, I was just so turned inside out uh, in March. Um, in fact, I, I, I did a conference in, in, in Wisconsin in July, and I told those poor people, look, I got to preach this sermon. You know, I, I have never preached it before, but I, and I brought the first talk from this series. It's just been so transformative. Now, I gotta tell you, today's talk is gonna be just a little bit boring. So, would you give me just a little latitude? Next week is the one that whatever you have to do to, to come here, you need to do. I mean, if you have to walk or crawl or whatever, you gotta be here next week. But I, I gotta lay the foundation for it today. So, it can be just a little bit pedestrian. But if you will stay with me for a little bit of time today, we're gonna lay the groundwork for a life that I believe you want to live, and beyond that, I believe in these five weeks, if you and I will employ what we're going to learn, our lives are not going to be the same. Real quickly, could I just say this? You're not listening to a professor and listening to me. You're not even listening to a grad assistant. I'm just another student. The professor here is going to be the Holy Spirit. The curriculum is the Word of God. And, and that's what really makes what we're going to experience for five weeks so transformative. Um, let me just start by asking you a question today. Could your life be better. Could your life be better? I'm going to guess I know what about 98% of us are going to say. I mean, it could be that you're here and you're saying, no, Mark, uh, my life could not be any better. It's at the top right now. I, I can't have any more effectiveness. I can't have any more finances. I can't have any more joy. I can't have any better relationships in my life. I'm at the max right now. Great. Rock on. I'm guessing that most of us are going to say, yeah, it could be better. Now, that's a pretty easy question. This one is a much more challenging question, and my guess is it's one that you and I don't ask a lot. Should my life be better? In other words, are there reasons why my life should be better than it is right now? In other words, is there a life that I could be living that I'm not living? Is there a life within my grasp? Is there a life that's open to me that I'm not living right now? Should it be better? If you're a God follower, you can drill down on that question and you can ask yourself, are there things, are there blessings, are there opportunities, are there special opportunities for impact that I'm leaving on the table that God wants me to have, but for some reason, I don't have them? My father's here in this service today. When I was a kid, he told this story over and over again about a man who went to heaven. And when he got to heaven, he saw all the things that he had wanted and needed in life in a room, and and God told him that, you know, he could have had those things. That's what I'm asking today. Is there a life that you and I should be living that God wants us to live, but something is in the way? Wow, that's a really important question. If I ask you, could your life be better, if you're like the average American, what you're going to do is you're going to start cataloging all your resources and assets, and you're going to say, well, now, wait a minute, let's see, I've got this amount of money, and I've got the opportunity to get this amount of money, and I've got talent, for some of you you can say I've got looks, I can't say that, but, you know, that's important in our culture today. You know, we'd start thinking about our network and the people that we know and the people that we've kissed up to to try to open the right doors. We start thinking about our particular industry and the health and robustness or absence of that, of our industry. And and we start evaluating, you know, all of our assets and we say, well, okay, could my life be better? Probably if you're really the average American, the first thing that's going to be on your list there is money. Because for some reason we have in our minds that money is, it's the quick, it's the, it's the quick path to life being better. I was going to even buy a lottery ticket just to bring it up on stage, but I couldn't bring myself to do it <laughs> for a lot of reasons. For one thing, I always get frustrated when I'm at Quick Trip and somebody in front of me is buying lottery tickets because I am always in a hurry. You know, I, I, I promise you, I, I'm, I'm in the biggest hurry. And people in front of me are like saying, okay. And they're like thinking to themselves, you know, what their chances are. And so I've said so many bad things under my breath about people who bought lottery tickets. I just couldn't bring myself to buy Secondly, I thought, what would you think if you saw your pastor buying a lottery ticket? <laughs> but that isn't the one that got me. I thought, you know what? I'd probably win. <laughs> Can you imagine that? New spring pastor, it's that big. And then there's the publisher's clearing house. You see the commercials on television, you know, where they come with the balloons and stuff and people are just going ape because they won the, whatever the prize that they offer. Some of us think about probated wills as if that's going to be our fast track. But but could I ask you a question? Here's the thing I want to ask. And and, and I do believe this. I believe God wants to help us financially. We're going to talk some about that. But, But could I ask you a big question today? Would money solve all your problems? I mean, if money would solve your problems, Lindsay Lohan is just coasting. <laughs> if money would solve your problems, Mel Gibson is in the sweet spot. Well, I think we know that money wouldn't. Here's the thing. I, I, I to tell you something. This is this is what gets me excited about the series. I live paycheck to paycheck like a lot of you. I miss a paycheck, I'm in trouble. But I got to tell you, you're looking at a very rich man. In fact, I was driving down the road the other day, and I was thinking about God's blessings in my life, and I thought, you know, I'm obscenely, I'm embarrassingly rich. Not in the things of this world, not in the material things. So that's what I'm trying to say. How how do we have a better life? Should you you and I have a better life? And as rich and as blessed as I am, I'll call me materialistic if you like, but I don't think so. I think it's in a spiritual sense. I want more. You know, for those of you who work with me closely, you know that my motto is, whole loaf's better than half a loaf. A lot of you live in a culture in which you believe a half loaf is better than no loaf at all. Well, if that's the case, then I just want the whole loaf. I don't want to leave anything. Listen, if I negotiate and I realize if I realize I've left money on the table, if I'm buying a car and if I think I'll leave money on the table, it will keep me up all night. If I'm if I'm you know buying something or if I'm negotiating and and I don't and I just leave money on the table, I it just gets to me. I hate to leave money on the table but what about leaving opportunity on the table? What about leaving life on the table? What about leaving good relationships on the table? I want everything God wants me to have. Well, it's all in bless you, and for the next five weeks, we're going to learn so much, and I just promise you, you and I won't be the same when this is all over. Now, here we go. We're going to go back to the Bible, and we're going to start from the beginning, and we're going to see how the blessing got started, but before I do, I want to make you familiar with two terms, and these terms I'm sure you know already, but there are words that you'll find frequently in the Bible Relational to our topic And it's blessing and cursing Or a blessing or a curse I, I want to talk about this for a few moments Because I know we're getting close to Halloween I remember sometime back Someone called me and said Mark, I need you to come to my house and bless my house And I said, why? And I mean, first of all, I don't know what, how I would do that It's <laughs> been so many years since I saw the Exodus I just wouldn't even know where to start I said, well, I said, a a witch put a curse, a hex on our house, and we want you to come and bless it. Now, can we just talk for a few moments about what a blessing and what a curse is so that we'll understand? It's a lot more practical, you know, because, you know, it's, it's it's not like, you know, there's some sort of spooky thing going on with a curse. A blessing is a forecasting of a good future. A curse is a forecasting of a bad future. A blessing is a prophecy that good things are going to happen. A curse is a prophecy that less than good or bad things are going to happen. Now, here's one thing you and I need to understand. Only God has the power to issue either one of those. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 7 says, and without a doubt, in other words, this is really, really clear, the lesser is blessed by the greater. So there's no other human being that has the power of your future in his or her hands, either for good or for evil. In fact, do you want to know, I mean, obviously, God is the source of prophesying good futures and bad futures. Do you want to know, though, who has the most impact on whether or not your future is blessing or cursing? It's you, and it's me. Listen to what the Bible says. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, and the curse if you disobey. Now when, when I think about blessing and cursing. I realize that it's all about my future. If I have God's blessing on my life. God is saying Mark good things are going to happen. If I have the curse of God in some aspect on my life. Then that means some kind, something bad is going to happen in my future. But the Bible, God said look Mark. I've said it before you. God said i put it out there for you buddy. It's your choice. It's your choice. I don't have time to develop this but there's this marvelous verse in scripture where the Bible says that Jesus was made a curse for us so that we would not have a curse upon us you know if a curse is a prophecy of a bad future think about this Jesus took your and my punishment on the cross so that ultimately we would never have a bad future isn't that awesome I'll get off that that's for another day Okay, here's the part. We're going to get a little boring for a few moments. Just hang with me. I want to take you back to the Bible. There's something in scripture study called the law first mention. In other words, if you could find the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, typically you're going to learn some aspect about whatever it is that's going to carry on throughout scripture. So let me just take you to the first place in the Bible where, where we see blessing. By the way, how many really old baby boomers do I have in here today? we are going to find you real fast here. How many of you remember a group called Three Dog Night? Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Hey, did you know that's in the Bible? Look at this. God blessed them. Well, who did he bless? Do you realize there were no human beings on the planet this time? We're talking about fishes and birds. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. Okay, what's the first thing that we learn about blessing? When God puts his prophecy of a good future, there's always increase. There's always growth. There's always betterment. And the first time we find blessing, Genesis one twenty-two. Now, Genesis 5, now we are going to look at human beings. He created them male and female and blessed them. Now, this, this is a universal blessing. Uh, many of us today are God followers. And we'll, we'll talk about the blessings that you and I have as God followers. But I just want to say this. Every human being is under God's blessing. And notice, male and female, God didn't just bless men, he didn't just bless women, God blessed all men, God blessed all women. And scripture tells us that the good things that we experience in this world are, are the result of God's blessing. You think about the climate that we enjoy, you think about the, the water that's on our planet, the oxygen that we breathe, all those things are God's blessing upon us. And by the way, I'll get on my soapbox and I promise I'll get right back off. But I think it is the ultimate flipping, of, flipping off of God to take his blessings and turn around and say it all happened by accident. We'll save that for another day too. Now, in Genesis chapter 9, we keep going with this universal blessing. Because between Genesis 5 and Genesis 9, A lot of time passes, but human beings get more and more wicked, and finally God sends the flood as a judgment upon them. And now God is starting over with Noah and his family. And I want to read to you, uh, this is Genesis 9, verse 9. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground, upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. This is God's universal blessing upon the human race. And God was saying to Noah and his descendants, you're starting over again. I'm blessing you. I'm giving you everything. Pretty much as we look at these verses up until this point, God's blessings have been universal. God's blessings have been on all fish, on all birds, on all human beings. And in Genesis chapter 12, it gets really interesting. Because God is going to kick it up a level, and he's going to bless one person. In other words, this time it's not going to be a universal blessing. This time God is going to bless one person in a way that he's not blessing anybody else. What do we learn from that? Well, the guy's name is Abram or Abraham. Genesis 12, verse 1, then the Lord has said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, all of a sudden, we have, some, we have a really interesting development. Because as I said, unlike God's universal blessings on all men and all women, God is selecting one guy and said, hey, I see something in you I really, really like. And if you will do something, I'm going to really ramp up the prophecy of a good future. And God said, so much will I ramp it up that if somebody tries to enhance your future, I will enhance their future. And if someone tries to destroy your future, God is saying, I will destroy their future. Powerful stuff, especially considering the New Testament tells us that as followers of Christ and people of faith, we're blessed with Abraham. But what I find interesting about this particular teaching on blessing is that God now tells somebody, I will bless you, but you have to leave the comfortable and you have to leave the soul numbing. I honestly believe that that is one of the first things that God wants you and me to learn about blessing. Because see you and i tend to hold on to the comfortable because we see it as the source of our good future one of the things that god will want to do if you're ever going to experience great blessing in your life is that god will want you to turn loose of what is comfortable so that you will instead of trusting your assets trust him and what god wants to teach us is look if if we are willing when he asks us to turn loose of the comfortable if we're willing to do that, then God will turn around and blow our minds with what he can do in regard to our future. Powerful lesson. Now, even with Abram, God is going to want to take him to a new place. Now, I, I think this is, this is one of the things I was trying to communicate at the beginning of this message. I know some from my life about what I'm, what I'm teaching, but I want to learn so much more. I have a lot of God's blessing in my life, but I want more of God's blessing. So now, after Abram has been blessed by God, he has left his familiar confines. He has followed God now for decades. But Abram's missing something. God had told Abram that he would make him the father of many nations. It was kind of hard to be the father of many nations if you don't have one kid. And beyond that, Abraham is 90. Now, let me just say people were living a little bit longer. If you scale it back toward modern times, that would be like he's about 60. And most of us who are getting close to 60 or a little past 60, we, we're not thinking about having another kid. We're saying, thank God that season in my life is over. Now it's grandkids. But I mean, here's Abram and Sarah and they're just like thinking, you know, it's like the theme to, to Jeopardy going on all the time and they're waiting to have this kid and they can't have this kid and... Finally, God says, okay, the time has come. So when Abraham is almost 100 and Sarah's 90, they have this kid, Isaac. And you can imagine, he is, their, he is their everything. He's their only kid. He's the joy of their lives. He is the fulfillment of God's promise. But one day, God comes along and says to Abraham, I want you to uh, take your son Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice. And God has never asked that of anyone else and didn't ask it really of Abraham. Now, that would have freaked me out. If I'm Abraham, I'm just saying, I don't think so. I'm clear. I just got the wrong channel here. But he did. And, 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 and give, him, give him kudos. Abraham said, all right, I'll, I'll just follow you on this thing. I don't know where you're going with it, but I'm going to follow you on this thing. And so basically, you remember the story if you've read the Bible very much. You know, Abraham fastened Isaac to the altar, and God said, okay, stop. It's not about that. There's a ram caught in the thicket. Let Isaac go. And sacrifice the ram. All of this is pictorial. What God wanted to show is that one day a father would have to offer his son. That father would be God, that son would be Jesus. Isaac is a picture of you and me because you and I were taken off the altar and a sacrifice was sacrificed in our place. But it's what God said to Abram after that that really gets me excited. And this is in Genesis 22, verse 16. He said, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I wish I knew how to preach. This is so good. Because you've done this and you've not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants. As numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will take the possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, let me ask you this. What was Abraham willing to release? He was willing to release his descendant. And God said, because you were willing to release what you had in your hand, I'm going to bless you in that area, and I'm going to make your descendants so numerous, they'll be like the sands of the seashore or the stars in the sky. Okay, we're learning so much from God's blessing on Abraham. The first thing he said to him, if you'll leave the comfortable and the soul numbing, I will I will put my good future on you. And now God is saying, if you will release what you have in your hand, I will bless you in that particular area. We saw it not only in Abraham's life, but we see it in his son Isaac's life. In Genesis chapter 26, the Bible says Isaac planted crops in that land that same year and reaped a hundredfold. That's huge, isn't it? A hundred times. Because why? Because he was a good farmer? I don't think Isaac was the sharpest knife in the drawer. He, he was an only child. His parents doted on him. I think they cushioned every blow. I don't think Isaac was the brightest person in the world. He's not a patriarch that I'm really excited to meet. I want to meet Joseph? I want to meet Abraham? I, I could go two or three million years before I meet Isaac. not going to be a problem. <laughs> Isaac planted crops in that land the same year, reaped a hundredfold. Why? Because the Lord blessed him. See, the, you, know what, you know what I like about that? I don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. I don't have to be an Abraham. I I can even be somebody that's not all that stellar, but if God puts his blessing on my life, I can reap a hundredfold. And and why, here's the thing, this is where I want to get to, and and, and I'll start drawing this to a close. Some of us have grown up in a religion in which we sort of have the idea that God is just looking for an excuse to whack us. Right? I've heard from some of you and, and you said, Mark, when I first came to New Spring, I had a hard time coming to church. It was like I'm walking in thinking at any moment, the light's going to just shine on me. I'm gonna get fried right in my seat. <laughs> do you know, listen, read this sometime. Look at what God will do to keep from bringing a curse. God is so patient. He is so long-suffering. He pleads with people, don't have a bad future. I mean, God God will do just about anything to keep from bringing a bad future to somebody. Why? Because it's God's nature to bless. Look, if he would bless the birds, that's his nature. If he would bless the fish, that's his nature. If he would bless all mankind, that's his nature. When Jesus was on the earth, what a wonderful time, for 33 years— We had God walking around in skin where we could just talk to God and ask him questions. Listen to what Jesus said about his father. He talked to dads here. He said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In other words, Jesus is saying he is a good gift giver. What does Hebrews chapter 11 say? That Without faith, it's impossible to please God because those who come to God must believe, number one, that he exists and that he is a rewarder. It's his personality to bless. i got to bring this to a close. Somebody would say, well, Mark, what would it be like if my life were blessed, really blessed? Well, my first inclination is to tell you to come back for the next five weeks. <laughs> let, me give you this, let me give you this to tide you over, okay? There are some verses in my Bible that I just write out the definition of blessing. In other words, every time I read this verse, I think... This is what it means to be blessed. I want to give you my three favorites. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 7, it says, There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your families shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hand to, because the Lord your God has blessed you. You know why I like that verse? I mean, first of all, I love my family, and I love what I do. Guys, I got to tell you, I have the greatest job in the world. My job, I mean, I appreciate you paying me. But I mean, it's narcotic. I get to watch people's lives change in real time. I'm the most blessed human being you ever saw in your life. And I love my family. That verse tells me that I can enjoy life. I know a ton of people who, who have a lot of this world's resources who don't enjoy life. I play golf with a guy who's just a shade away from being a billionaire. Very successful man and a believer. And, and I liked him. And we had a good time. But in the process of time, he told me that there was a breakage in his family and he hadn't talked to one of his sons in years. And my heart went out to him. I thought, here's a guy that has almost a billion dollars, but i got to tell you, I'm richer than he is. Because I talk to my kids all the time. I love being blessed because what it means is you can enjoy what you have. There's a verse I didn't have time to give to you earlier in the service, but the, the, the Bible says that when God brings riches, he doesn't add sorrow to it. See, a lot of times when this world brings riches, it brings sorrow along with it. But what God does when he blesses a person, he allows them to enjoy life. You and your family shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you put your hand to. That means everything you attempt because the Lord your God has blessed you. Here's my second. In Psalm 32 verse 1, it says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. I'm guessing you and I have things in our past that haunt us, don't we? Isn't it great to know that if you have a relationship with God, I love this line, blessed is the man or woman whose sin the Lord does not count against him. I'm blessed today because I know that God doesn't count my sins against me. He has forgiven me and forgotten what I've done wrong. And finally this one, Psalm 65 two. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgression. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house. The first verse says that blessed people get to enjoy life. The second says, blessed people who have a relationship with God have all their sins forgiven. Finally, this last one says, blessed people are blessed because they get to live with God forever. I think David was saying that in Psalm 23 when he said, surely goodness and mercy will chase me all the days of my life. And then I'm going to live in the house of the Lord forever. I want blessing in my life. I want you to have it. I honestly believe when this series is over, you and I will not be the same. Our lives will not be the same. These are five weeks They're going to take us to a whole new place. Thanks for listening to a kind of pedestrian sermon. We'll get get this cranked up next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for everything you've taught us. and We pray that you will help us to realize how important it is to live dependent upon you for our future. We ask that you will bless us. Father, may none of us leave high living on the table. May we have everything you want us to have. In Jesus' name, amen. Could you pray with me just one more moment? The second verse I read you a moment ago talked about people who sin, God doesn't count against them. But that happens because Jesus took your bad future for you. When he died on the cross, He took the judgment for all your sins and my sins. Everything you've ever done wrong in the past or everything you will do wrong in the future. You say, Mark, if I were to come to God today, would he even forgive me of sins that I commit in the future? When Jesus died, all your sins were future. And the people who had already died, all their sins were past. Jesus came to be an offering for all sin. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all, A-L-L, sin. See, religion says try to do better, but none of us can do that. And besides, what would we do with our past? Only Jesus. That's why he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I'm the life. He died in your place, and three days later he stepped out of the grave under his own power, and he's in heaven listening for you today. And if there's somebody here who would say, yeah, I I will let Jesus be my substitute. Like Isaac, I, I will come off the altar so that he could take my place. If you're willing to receive him and ask for that right now, on this October day in 2010, God would answer your prayer. And you know what? You go straight to that next promise of blessing that you will enjoy living with God forever. That's God's promise. I know you may not understand everything about it, but I'm going to pray a prayer. And if if you're ready to pray with me, you can pray it in your heart. I mean, you don't have to pray it out loud, but I'll pray it slowly so you can think about each line. It's what you mean that matters most, not what you say. You ready? Here we go. Dear God, I know I've done wrong, but I believe Jesus died in my place. I ask you to forgive me and make me God's child.